Welcome to the Tiffany Talks podcast show where I discuss holistic health, healing, and helping others in 30 minutes or less. I'm your host, Tiffany Patlin, a health and wellness coach, motivational speaker, best-selling author of Unlocking Your Ability to Heal, a blessed ambassador where we share a need and meet a need, founder of Cosmic Sweets, Herbal Potions, and Tiffany Patlin Health and Wellness, where I use my life experience of overcoming a life of abuse to help people just like you discover your own unique path to healing and happiness. I am on a godly mission to heal the world. Thanks for joining me today. I know normally I'm on earlier, but we have a very special guest today from across the globe, and his name is Stephen Neff. And today we're going to talk about addiction and PTSD and his book. So let's bring him on so that way he can introduce himself. Hmm. Hi, Stephen. Hello, Tiffany. Thank you so much for hosting me and being allowing me to be a guest on your show. It is a true honor. Thank you so much. And I love your intro. It is so nicely done. <laughs> I want to taste some of those sweets and want to say, hmm, okay, ooh, let me try. <laughs> thank you so, so much. <laughs> oh, no, it's beautiful. So thank you so much. Uh, well, what shall I say? Yeah, I am um, a humble man. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm Stefan Neff. I'm a consultant anesthetist. Um, so I'm a medical doctor in New Zealand and, you know, a man of standing, lots of letters behind the word. I, <laughs> in, in reality, well, I'm a man and I'm a man who grew up, unfortunately, with a lot of trauma. And at the, unfortunately, I, yeah, the trauma left its deep, deep marks on my soul and my heart and my brain. And I never learned to, to deal with negative emotions. So therefore I, uh, I sort of lived in pain and darkness for a long time until I was sort of 18, 19. And then suddenly I learned alcohol and alcohol was, Ooh, nice. I like, I like a lot because yeah. the pain suddenly stopped. And suddenly I was, I was no longer, um, it was no longer so dark. So therefore I, I unfortunately learned at an early stage that uh, I can escape my pain and my reality with the help of some substances and alcohol was my main, my main escapism, so to speak. Having said that, actually, that's not true. Work was my main escape because oh. again, something you throw yourself into and you don't have to deal with your reality. Yes. And that's really, really good when you're, when you're a student. Uh, that's really good when you're a doctor. So guess what? I became a, quite a good doctor because <laughs> I was um, constantly working and that made me good. Um, I had a bloody good degree of PTSD without ever realizing it. That made me really good because I had a, I still have to today a very good situational awareness. So it means nothing catches me out easily. Uh, therefore, a really good habit for a doctor. But guess what? I was switched on 100% every day. 
Grr. And yeah, you can't do that all the time. So alcohol became my best friend and then my worst enemy down the line. Initially, it helped me escape, and it was the most beautiful bliss to finally go. Oh. That was the sound effect that alcohol elicited from me. Uh, in reality, down the line, there was no more ah, uh, there was no more, no more that. And when I say down the line, I mean it was a really good friend of me for or for me when I was in my early twenties, and then it became my worst enemy when I was in my forties. So, so yes, high flying, high functioning um, alcoholic. That is really what I became. And I, yeah, I am an addict. I had to learn, uh, but that is not necessarily uh, something bad. I had to learn and I got to learn. It was, I, I had a privilege to learn that this was actually meant to be. I had to go through the darkness. I had to go through the trauma. I had to go through the through those those really hard times, which basically put me so much outside of my comfort zone that simply I had to change, and that was that was magic when that actually started to happen. So eight years ago, I went into rehab thanks to my gorgeous wife who said enough is enough and. I finally stopped fighting with her and accepted that what she said made sense. And she had booked a rehab for me. So it was all done and dusted. Stefan, I've spoken to your boss. You're not going to work. You are, uh, you're going to rehab and you sort your, your, your shit out. Yeah. And this was said in such a loving way compared with all the fights that we had prior to that, uh, in such a loving way that it completely disarmed me. And so that was the start to a new me, to a new future. And here I am nowadays living a life full of integrity, humility, um, self-love, authenticity, words that meant nothing to me. They were kind of cliches 10 years ago. Nowadays, I live by them and I define myself by them. And that is a beautiful, beautiful life that I live now. So my life could not be more different compared with the darkness in which I had been sort of functioning um, prior to that. I have to ask you, um, I love what you said about how um, I wanted to unpack that more. Like you said that she, um, that your wife, did this for you. And I love that so much because a lot of times people have loved ones and they just don't know how to help them. But your wife took the bull by the horns. She did all the things. So basically you didn't have to, it almost sounds like she didn't give you another choice. Were you willing or was it really just the fact that she handled everything and it just made it easier? Well, my wife is, um, is an alcoholic as well. Uh, but about three years prior to me going into rehab, she found Jesus Christ. And with the help of her church and with the help of her beliefs, um, she stopped drinking. Um, she did it in a harder way than I did because I had all the help, the psychological help. The, I had the people who guided me, in my case, through a 12-step program. And being a doctor, I thought, okay, I might as well go for it and, and learn and, and put my whole in, 
intentions, my 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 strength into that learning. So that was cool for me. She did it the hard way, night uh, white knuckling, as I call it in my book. Um, but down the line, she she got dry. She actually um, was. She became a, a very anti-trinker, so that was a bit hard. So we've had for for three years we had fights. Oh boy. Um, but then one day she just disarmed me with her love because she said, no, enough is enough. And that was that was the beautiful thing. So instead of fighting, which immediately would have put me on the defensive, right. it was, no, her love overrode that. And the same with my children. So they completely disarmed me and said, by the way, today is Wednesday morning. Friday morning, we travel up to Auckland and um, we've got the inpatient admission for you arranged. That's wonderful. I love that so much. Well, thank you to your beautiful wife for doing that because you're <laughs> able to be here with me today and you are awesome. And well, that's right. I, also, I also wanted to talk about, because I think this is really important for people to know, and I'd love to, for you to elaborate on this. You said that you needed to go through the dark times. And, you know, I resonate with a lot of what you said because of my own background, but can you um, talk about that more for the listeners, like those who don't understand, those that might be in the dark, and they're like, what do you mean I have to go through this? Like, what would you mm. say to them? I would never have become the man that I am nowadays um, if I had not been in those dark times. I, I see my addiction as my superpower. It is, I have gone through far more trauma than I should have and maybe that many other people do. But this is not a pissing contest. Let's be clear about that. Each and every person has got their own trauma, has got their own cross the bear. That is just fact. So I just had a lot of crosses and a lot of things happened. And that was, yeah, regrettably, I never, um, I never learned how to how to deal with my negative emotions. Having said that, because I used the wrong tools, in this case, alcohol and work, to, to deal with life, uh, I ended up in more pain. I ended up in more shame, guilt, depression, anxiety, PTSD symptoms, because I didn't work on the underlying problems. That basically put me in a situation where I was so far out of my comfort zone that I simply had to change. And for that, I'm grateful because there was so much, so much power in me. It was, I was a bow pulled all the way to the back. I just didn't know where I would go. At the moment, I was aiming for early death or prison or something like that. Um, now, I, the, the pain was still there, but where am I going now? I do no longer want to die. I do want to live. And now suddenly someone pointed me into the director in the right direction. And I was able to release that arrow. And my God, did that arrow fly. So that is why I was saying I was so grateful with hindsight to be in that darkness. Because that darkness allowed me to see the light for the gift that it is. The light that we can seek out every moment in our life, should we choose to do so. And if you're not, if you have never been in the darkness, you don't choose the light because you take it for granted. If mm -hmm. you've never been hungry, then you take food for granted. 
if you have never been hurt in such a way that you can't walk, then you take your walking for granted. So there's so much we take for granted in our lives, our relationships, our maybe sort of financial uh, safety, uh, those kind of things. There's so much we take for granted. Only when you are suddenly in hard times, whatever they may be, do you no longer take things for granted and put now a new you into place. You change with pressure. And the pressure in many people, it can destroy them or pressure can make you into the diamond that can shine. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what happens to people in recovery. That happens to people who went through um, mental health challenges, such as bouts of depression or anxiety or PTSD. Take those things as what they are. They are waves of neurochemicals washing over you. And they are messages from your body. Chances are that your body is saying, what the hell are you doing? Can you please stop with your behavior because it just makes things worse? Okay, so and there you are. So, but we we are not ready for such a long time to listen to those messages. So we the messages get stronger and stronger, and sometimes they get physical. They're oh, really yeah. <laughs> issues lie in the tissues. Um, so people who have got atrocious back pains or their gut is playing havoc on them or or or, or there's headaches classic example so many things where your body says can you finally stop and listen yeah. and yeah so you have to be there before you finally listen because we're all stupid we all think we know it better we all we all try we are like chimpanzees on on a, on a computer and sort of press the button and say oh that feels nice what's that that's alcohol oh i take it i take it i take it uh, and then you know no one has given us the user manual for that computer and that's where recovery comes in. That's where a life of intentional living comes in. That's where you can grow. And for that, I'm grateful. Had I not been in the darkness, I wouldn't now seek out those beautiful things like being a guest on your show, sharing my trauma so that I maybe can plant the seed in your listener's mind to say, well, if this idiot can get his shit together, then maybe, just maybe, there's a chance for me. Okay? So, therefore, that is so important. The past does not equal the future. Okay? There is hope. And your darkness doesn't allow you to see you that. It's the, the lies that depression and addiction tell you. They tell you it's hopeless. It's helpless. They play you the best of whatever your name is, um, at three o'clock in the morning, telling you all the things that you have possibly done wrong in your whole lifetime, starting from the first memory to now. It did play you all that shit crap in, in your head and you start believing it. I'm worthless. I'm helpless. There's no hope for me. I've deserved it. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve love. Uh, and these are your core beliefs. And you think, what the heck? With hindsight, I shake my head about those things that I truly, truly deep down believed, which then led me to have certain emotions and certain reactions to triggers in my environment. I was a very, very, very angry man, resentful to the nth degree. And it is, it's still my go-to. I can get very easily uh, annoyed, upset, etc. And for me, these are nowadays these are these are messages 
if I am starting to, to turn angry, I simply stop and actually ask myself, hang on, why are you getting angry? Dear body, what do you want to tell me? Oh, I haven't slept well. I haven't had breakfast. Hangry. I, uh, exactly. I have not <laughs> hydrated. And someone pissed me off. Okay, I, I'm ready to rip this guy's head off. Um, fair enough. He maybe did a smart-ass comment. But is my anger really quite appropriate for that scenario? Or is it more a reflection that I'm hangry in this case? Or, you know, that something else has happened, that I'm burned out? One of the key things for burnout, in, in certainly in, for doctors and for, um, for medical staff, is compassion fatigue. We just don't give a fuck anymore. We don't care anymore about our patients. Um, sometimes <laughs> there's not one single nurse who would not now not and say, uh, you know, he tells you another sob story, the patient, and you think, you think you've got it hard? I tell you about my life. <laughs> so, that's compassion fatigue. That's a stage of burnout, okay? <laughs> so, and that, that's what I mean. So my anger and resentment, if they come, these negative emotions, then more often than not, I have contributed significantly to their development. So that's how I look nowadays at anger and resentment. I'm glad and, you shared that because I was going to ask you how you deal with negative emotions now. And uh -huh. I love that. That's what I do because yeah. I'm there with you. You know, I've gone through a lot of healing, but we're never done, right? And things <laughs> still happen. And that's what I tell people. Healing doesn't mean that we're perfect. It just means that we're better equipped to handle mm. things that happen. Whereas before, like you said, you know, we just react, you know, and it's like, rawr, ripping some people's heads off mm. because mm. we're carrying inside. But that's, that is, that is a privilege for us that we get to know ourselves. We get to know how we respond and there is nothing wrong with that. That is just you again, being in pain. Something triggers you, there's anger, something. So figure out, okay, Where's this anger coming from? So that's one question to ask. But then the other thing is, okay, what actually triggered you? Okay, he looked, he said something. Was it really what he said? He might have just criticized, quite rightly so, something, some work that you maybe have to, haven't done so well. He Maybe he gave you constructive criticism. But what you heard and what you saw, that was the eye rolling that your mum did when you were six or that your whatever, whatever trauma there is, whatever bullshit was laid down at an early stage. That is what triggers you. So there are two things that we can learn from here, from your anger, from your resentment, from those that a, yeah, okay, it's a message, but what actually is the trigger and what do you need to explore more? Yes. The other thing then, you get more to explore. So you get one bout of anger where you have got now two things already learned. Third thing is the sheer fact that you actually picked that up. Wow, that's emotional intelligence. That's emotional awareness. By you just picking that up at that stage before you have done the harm, before you have done, you've lashed out. Wow, that is a pat on the shoulder. That's worth a win. That's a well done. You actually, you actually picked it up very early. So it's already three good things out of one bout of anger. Okay, so the anger is actually good. Hey, you're alive. 
That's number four. You're alive. Your body, your fight and flight system yes. is kicking in. Yeah. Come on. Let me take on the world. So you know you're alive. You're actually, your body still works. That's really good. So you know, next time you step in front of a driving bus or a truck, then probably you still have got enough uh, you know, uh, adrenaline around to jump out of the way. And that saves you. But that's four good things out of one bout of anger. Hey, man, we're on a winning road. Yeah, come on. And that's beautiful. You get to reevaluate life and give new meaning to certain things. And that is the privilege that we get when we are in recovery or when we are getting better in, our, uh, in, in the way we deal with our emotional health. So it's beautiful. Lovely. I love the, the, the new me. Ah, I, I just, I love everything you said. Um, there is a question I want to ask you that um, it's dear to my heart because I see this everywhere and um, I'm, I'm betting that you can relate. I feel that a lot of the men, our men in this world, have been cheated, I guess, in a way, because men were taught that it's not okay to honor your emotions, to set them free, because it's considered weak. Um, and so I feel like that might, that that's why a lot of our men today are suffering because they don't feel comfortable showing emotion, crying because they're considered a form of weakness and they need to be a tough man. So mm -hmm. like, I would love for you to share your thought process, your insight on that, and then go into a little bit about your book. <laughs> wow. Um, so many things to say there. First of all, this kind of toxic masculinity is exactly what I had. I didn't have great role models amongst my 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 father was a, a gambler, an alcoholic, and, and you know, he, he made the best out of his life. Uh, my stepdad was not so much better. Um, so, you know, uh, not great role models. So I looked around, especially after I got assaulted, uh, and which led to my PTSD. So I looked around at the heroes that were around then in Hollywood, etc. And there was Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon, Bruce Willis, Die Hard, okay, anti-heroes. Uh, and I embraced that lifestyle. You know, Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon once, he wakes up in the morning, coughs his, his lungs out, stands there naked with a cigarette in his hand, takes a pee, beer bottle in the other hand. Okay, that's how a hero wakes up. Fine. Mental note. Good. Oh. <laughs> okay, so so I lived that masculinity, man, a man, and that's that's that was that was me. That was, and I I embraced that because I immediately became after I had not properly healed in my face when I was starting martial arts training with the police, and we and I the next four years were were very physical, very, you know, lots of training, two, four hours a day, masculine, masculine, pure man. Okay, so for me, that helped me. It showed me, it helped me, it rescued me at that moment. I did no longer was, I was no longer the victim. I was now a badass. And that is what I needed to be. And I'm still grateful for that, that badass that I became. It's not a nice guy. But it's a guy who has to do what he has got to do in order to protect me. Um, so he's the hero that comes out he, because he's not such a nice guy. He goes, he drinks out of the skulls of his enemies, literally, without any hesitation. So therefore, I need to be careful when I let him out. And I need to be able to live with the consequences when he comes out to play. 
But at the same token, there's little doubt in my mind that there are situations in my life when I need to do things that I don't want to do. Take an example in an acute emergency where someone's face is smashed in, they can't breathe, and I have to cut the throat and actually put a little tube through the, the skin into the windpipe. Trust me, it's not something you do lightly. It's not something that I want to do. I will probably shit myself. I'm absolutely scared at that moment. Well, I can't, I can't fall apart because the guy in front of me is dying. Yeah. I have to bring out the other guy, the cold-ass guy, without any emotions. He will do the job. He will rescue this life. And then later, I will fall apart and I will say, did I do that? And then I can cry or whatever I need to do. But so there is this, this hard-nosed guy, which is good. He's a really, really good guy. Um, but be... <laughs> handle with care where was i going with that we were, we were just saying sorry masculinity masculinity that's right so you need that man in there um but that man is the toxic masculinity that is the hard-nosed guy i'm glad that i met him and that i've got him but he's not the guy that i want to be i'm a leader and a leader takes ownership a leader is responsible for for his himself and my emotions so my emotions are actually part and parcel of me um my my emotions are normal i do cry and crying is so beautiful ah oh, it can be such a release of pent up tension etc so and in the past i did not allow myself i was a man i did allow myself finally and it was typically at burnout stages where i would be off work, I would have red wine typically, and I would play uh, Les Miserables um, or any other music or watch certain films. My goodness, I would cry, uh, sob, snot, tears, everything. Um, the works finally coming out, but I only could do so with the disinhibition of the alcohol. Nowadays, this is so much nicer because I, I admit there will be times when I will be sad. There will be times when I maybe have to think about more negative things. Um, and these emotions are okay. I nowadays know that it is okay to cry. And in all fairness, I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing at the moment. I bring uh, together storytellers to write two books. I've got female storytellers who are sharing uh, depression light to me uh, with that topic. And I've got male storytellers who say uh, boys do cry. And we are discussing depression. We're discussing. And that's, that's so important that we actually bring that out, that we actually share those stories. And, and my 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 co-authors, they come from all walks of life. And it just shows that depression and darkness affects all walks of life. It doesn't matter if you're a top CEO, if you're a lieutenant colonel in the US Armed Forces, hard, fast guy, or if you're a farmer uh, tolling the, uh, so, the soil. I think that's the word. <laughs> I don't know what you do with soil. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> so it is it, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what color of skin you have. These these dark thoughts and depression and sadness, that's normal. And it is normal in your life. Therefore, you need to allow yourself to feel those emotions and to let them out. 
don't numb them all the time. I, I tried for a quarter of a century. Guess what? It doesn't work. Yeah. It works for a bit, and it will it will help you for just a tiny little bit. Liquid then, courage. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> and many great deeds were done with liquid courage. No two ways around it. But um, no, 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 no. Who was it? Um, one of the famous writers said, "The best writing I do uh, when I'm drunk, and the best editing <laughs> means calling writing now is when I'm sober." <laughs> so Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway, that was him. <laughs> so here you go. So the bottom line is, alcohol might play a role at certain times in your life. And sometimes you have to be a hard ass. But if that is your main go-to, oh, you're stuffed, man. Um, so for all those of you out there who are real men, real men do cry. Real men yes. admit that, they're, that it's okay not to be okay. Real men help other men to see that. Yeah. There is no room for macho gang posturing. Bloody hell. No, no. These are emotionally broken, broken young people. These are, they are basically at the level of a toddler, emotional uh, age toddler, um, when it, yet they might be in a 40-year-old body. So no, 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 no. Been there, done that. I got the T-shirt. And it's not very nice, okay? Honestly, it actually makes me angry to think how much time I've wasted being yeah. that person. Whilst the, the change, the transformation that occurred to me after getting sober, and sober was sober is, is, is a tiny blip in my life. Sober sobriety played a role maybe for a year after I got uh, sober. That was really when I was still struggling with my addiction. But then the next seven years was me creating a life that is worthwhile living. Mm -hmm. And that meant also dealing with the negative emotions, with the core beliefs, with the, with, these, with the bullshit toxic masculinity that was holding me back. And again, there are so many men out there and nowadays so many, so many movements and so many groups that are addressing men in, in a healthy way. Uh, here in New Zealand, we've got a, a mental health campaign, which basically famous manly men are saying it's okay not to be okay. And that is a really good catchword, catchphrase. I love it. Uh, and I strongly believe in that. And that's what I do as a leader in my work. So my team, uh, those people who are working with me in theater, they know that at any one moment they can come to me. And often enough, they do and say, hey, look, Stefan, just give you a heads up. Um, I've had bad news. My mother-in-law had a nasty accident and or is in dementia home or something like that. I'm really not in my best. And I typically give them a hug if they are a hugger or uh, I say, hey, cool, thank you so much for letting me know. And I have your back uh, because that's what this is all about. We can't be 100% perfect. No, we have to admit that there are days when you are 70, 80% if you're lucky. Uh, and only when you've got some people who are actually having your back, only then can you safely get through that day. That's especially important in, in, in anesthesia, in medicine. That is especially important if you're in any other role. How nice would it be if you could actually be this open? And maybe if you're in a real male-dominated environment, people might initially laugh at you, but only 
only for a short period of time. And that's probably more insecurity because they don't know how to handle you. Um, that uh, if you are, let's say, a, a mechanic, and there are only other male mechanics and you know balls the size of the car engines. Um, guess what? If you show leadership by being emotionally aware, you will find wow. people coming out quietly, typically during the smoko, um, having said, you know, uh, so that, what did you do there? I mean, tell me more about you responded weird. What was that all about? And if you open up and they say, oh, you know what? That happened to me when I when I did my book, my book, My Steps to Sobriety. Ta -da! My Steps to Sobriety. <laughs> I did that in uh, well two years ago. I wrote the first first edition of that, and I wrote it uh, towards the end of the year, and it was Christmas holidays. And I came back in January and was getting changed in a changing room. One very esteemed colleague, uh, you know, top top guy was getting changed next to me and he said oh what have you been up to over the christmas holidays i said oh i wrote a book and published it and he said oh oh what about what about and i said alcohol um my story with alcohol he looked at me and said what did you do that for <laughs> that was a weird response no, i just rushed over it and i said no okay it was important for me that i do that and okay so i went into my theater he went into his theater Six hours later, I got a text from him. Can we talk? <laughs> because he had just lost his wife due to his alcohol consumption. Um, and so his life was just unraveling. And he equally, I looked it up at him. Whoa, he was really Mr. I have it all sorted. <laughs> Bullshit. He didn't. Um, so, and it's just that. So bottom line is, if you start leading by example, by sharing your story, exactly what you do, Tiffany, here, you're sharing where you have come from and the lessons you have learned. That is the best thing that we can do. We yeah. are breaking taboos because we are talking about our own mental health. And by us coming from all walks of life and actually expressing that, yes, I am a doctor, I'm an anesthetist, I'm, you know, maybe maybe a bit more esteemed in, in the career that I've chosen and the position that I hold in my society. But if I can actually admit to it that I stuffed up, that I made a mistake, and this is now the new life that I'm living, people look at you in a very, very different light. Suddenly, you are a real leader. You are a real person that deserves the respect, not just because you've got some, some whatever you've created in your life. doesn't matter. It is how we deal with the stumbling and falling down that defines us as human beings. And that is what matters. So if you only can say, I'm a man and I deserve to be respectful, my wife and my children must love me, regardless how angry I am and that I take the, that I mean to them whenever I come home because I'm so pissed off with my life. Yeah, guess what? You won't get the love. You don't get the respect. You will have rebellious teenagers. Okay? So food for thought. But then again, look at it positively. Tiffany and I could get our shit together. What stops you? Yes. Sorry, I can't hear you. Say again. <laughs> I think what it is, it's those, what you said in the very beginning, it's those limiting beliefs. We naturally hmm. pick up and adopt 
how our parents or caregivers parented us. And that's why, like you said, when we become adults, it's really cool because we get to learn who we are and shed that stuff that does not resonate with who we are as a person. And I've been experiencing that even still to this day. I'm learning more and more about me and it's beautiful and I love it. Indeed. It's a privilege that that you have got and many of us don't get it. Uh, this privilege. We will live our life uh, and take it for granted. And then something happens and it's too late. That's the curse of life. Um, it's. I'm so pleased that, that you guys out there are listening to Tiffany's show because you made the first step by actually admitting that you're not okay. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this show. And I congratulate you on that. You have taken the first active step to your recovery, to your to your transformation. It's just waiting out there. And the question is now, what will be the next steps? And they might be unique to you, or there might be some similarities. Chances are, whatever it is, if it is a mood problem, it is an addiction problem, chances are your health is probably not so great. And maybe your first step should be a visit to your GP, to your family physician, and just say, hey, look, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Can we have a word? And you might be surprised. You might have suffered from really low mood for quite some time. And as a woman, they might do some simple blood tests. And surprise, surprise, the red color in your blood, the hemoglobin is in the boots because maybe your nutrition wasn't so great and you've been bleeding as a woman far more than other women. You know, wow, okay, if we fix that, suddenly you've got energy again and you've got that depression lifts. Duh. So there was one biological reason that could be ruled out. So there are some things where actually a GP can cure you, not by giving you drugs, but dealing with an underlying problem. Hey, you know, that's easy. Now, for most of us, that is not true. Um, it, there is no magic in, in this world, however much I want it to be. Um, <laughs> no, um, but at least, A, you have ruled out that something nasty is happening to you. And B, you found your first ally. You found your first member of your power team that will help you move forward. And so now that you've done that step, then, okay, this person might help you. And if the belief systems are right, so if he or she, as the doctor says, okay, look, I really think because you're in such a bad shape, maybe it might help you to take some certain drugs that will help you for the time being whilst we put other things into place, whilst we put better nutrition, better lifestyle habits, better uh, psychological support, etc., into place. Um, that might be a way to go. Or he might say, well, actually, you are so in tune with nature, but you are so out of tune at the same token. Hey, I know just the healer or I know just the person um, who you might be willing to connect with. Um, okay, so there might be something that in your belief system might work far better than any drug that the doctor can ever give you. So again, there is, there is no one thing that fits for everyone. Let's be very clear. There is not one single technique. So if someone tells you, just take that tablet, you're going to be just fine, is a liar. If someone tells you the only thing that works for you is, um, is frequency bowls, um, and that will cure you. Fucking liar. Um, every single thing, single mortality healing is bullshit. It does not work. It is because you're so much more complex than that. 
But if someone was to say, actually, let's start with that. The, the, the journey of 10,000 miles starts with you putting one foot forward. Well, the first foot forward was your GP. Second foot forward, well, what is that? Is that maybe because you're morbidly obese, might it be a nutritionist or a coach that helps you with your weight because the weight is dragging you emotionally down and your, your body dysmorphism, your, your, your beliefs about your weight are the key thing, the, the driving force for all the suffering that you have? Well, that might be the first, first go. Or might it be something more general to learn to get in tune with yourself? might maybe be a course in meditation with a meditation teacher. Might that be something that actually resets you and grounds you and allows you to actually step out of the, the hamster wheel for a bit and you suddenly get more answers coming out of the universe or from God or whatever you believe. Hey, there's so many different ways. Just start, and, right? Exactly. Just take that first step, just like your book says. Exactly. Tiffany, I mean, in you, you're still growing. I'm still growing. I haven't figured out who I want to be when I grow up, um, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Um, the, the point is, in, in my journey, I constantly redefine myself. I constantly learn about myself. I constantly learn new things. Is it the same with you? Is oh, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, those things, I one of the things I was really bad in in the past was finances. So I focused on wealth. Um, I now let my creativity play. So all those things are really, really good. They were in the past. I dealt with them. I am proud. Now, when it comes to my relationship, huh, needs more work. When it comes to me, to me finally coming off the, out of the rat race, hmm, needs more work. So what did I do? I um, got involved with transcendental meditation and I did a course and I've got a, a teacher. So I actively put my money where my mouth is. And I, I did so by stepping back, looking at what have I not yet achieved? Where do I need, uh, where do I wish to be stronger? Okay, so I looked at the weak spots, identified that, and then took action, took steps towards getting stronger in that area. Because I believe once our the pillars on which we, the foundation on which we lay our foundations, once we address all those, that's beautiful. If you only ever address one, and the rest of the house is on an angle. That's the leaning tower of Pisa. Okay, so it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So there you are. And it's so gorgeous. And you, you get to do all that. Please, what stops you? What could possibly stop you when you actually concentrate your thoughts and, and think, okay, I want to get better? What could possibly hold you back? Mm-hmm. Something I say is nothing will change unless you make a change. And by choosing not to get better, you're still making a choice. You're making oh. a choice to remain stagnant where you are. And I think people don't realize that. You either work on your recovery or you work on your relapse. That's what we say in the addiction field. But I can, I could say this exactly the same. You either work on your depression in a positive way or you reinforce your depression. Oh, yes. And it's, and it's it's so simple. It's so simple. Uh, Tony Robbins did recently, I did um, a course with him, and he says it in a really beautiful way. He says, okay, um, if you want to be sad, if, you, if you're depressed, how would you envisage that person? The person is probably more down, down. The face needs to be a certain way, and the muscles need to relax in a certain way. You have to talk in a certain way. 
And that's then that's sort of depressed. So if you feel that you're going into that mode, well, what was to happen if you now go like that? If you actually go like that, do a hero pose. <laughs> now put a smile on your face. <laughs> so now be depressed. It's really hard to be depressed when you're in that position. So, you know, change your physical state. I can do that. I can do power stance. And and that's, I know it sounds bullshit if you have never tried it, but actually try. Try to be depressed when you stand like that. It's very hard. So if you now practice that, just as much as you go to the gym and lift a weight, well, why don't you practice your power stance? Yeah. And every single time, you might even, you might even uh, play with your core beliefs. I'm a failure. <laughs> I am successful. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a failure. I, so I wouldn't even negative it. So your core belief is I'm a failure. And that's so true for me. I'm I'm imposter. I'm a failure. That's by definition. It's my core belief. So I have rephrased that. I continually learn and grow. Ooh. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you learn. So I continually learn and grow. And what you can do is do that power stance. Go, yay! Put two fingers up your nose. Uh, and stand like that and say, I'm a failure. What a bullshit. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so if you say, I'm a failure, <laughs> your brain says, actually, no, that's a bit of bullshit there, isn't it? So, again, Tony Robbins. Man, you, that was from him. I picked it up from him. And it actually works. Because <laughs> it reminds me, I'm not a failure, okay? <laughs> I'm yeah, not a a lot of these things might seem silly, but it's like, you know what? What's even more <laughs> silly is spending the rest of your life you know, not living in the light where you deserve to be. So 100%, uh, 100%. You know, Stephen, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything. Let let our listeners know where they can get your book. People need your book. Where can uh, they get it? Thank you so much. It's out on uh, on Amazon. That's probably the easiest as a hard copy, as an ebook. Uh, so go out there. It is my uh, Steps to Sobriety. It is really literally my steps to start off with well what is my story i go through the the 12 steps but i'm not religious so this is not a religious book this is basically telling you uh the 12 steps in the sense of a of a business uh of a bad business so if, if you and a friend have got both a business and uh he has got no customers whatsoever and you are fully successful he might come to you and says well what are you doing? Would you mind sharing? And you might come across and actually check out his business. If it is a restaurant, you might order his food and look around, look at the menu, then look behind the scenes and do a real good inventory to actually see what is working, what not. Then you probably make some changes. Then you might actually go down and you have now done all the changes, new menu, new dishes, new decor. And you might go to your to your customers and send out flyers, say, hey, look, uh, same management, new wipe. Um, and for all of our good customers, hey, we have not been so so nice or our food was not so nice in recent times. We have changed. Come back. And if you come back, you get 30% of your, your uh, menu uh, costs. And then you actually see, wow, things are picking up. You do a quality assurance uh, program, make sure that you're actually continuously checking that you're good. And down the line, this guy might actually say, wow, this was such a cool ride. You know what? I'm now 
creating a, a Facebook group or a meeting, uh, a, a direct meeting, where I talk to other people who have got restaurants and who are struggling to actually help them. So from hopeless, helpless to I help others, well, that's a 12-step program. And the way I described it with the business, you say, yeah, that's logic. Well, guess mm -hmm. what? That's exactly that. So 12 Steps to Sobriety, the 12-step program is there. But this book, only about half of it is about that. The other half is about then your new life. Because guess what? Challenges will continue. Challenges will be there and will they will be giving you grief. There will be toxic people. You can do anything you want to your own growth. There will still be assholes out there, toxic people that are narcissists that take the, take, take the, the will to live out of you. Well, what do you do with them? There will be times when money is tight. Well, would it not be nice to actually have some, some thoughts, some maybe disaster preparedness towards your wealth? What about relationships with your with your wife, significant other, husband, whatever it is? Um, would it not be nice to actually learn how to put regular input into such a relationship so that you don't take it for granted? So I'm talking a lot about these challenges that are very likely to affect you at any one moment now. Well, wouldn't do you have a spare tire in your car? You probably have. Do you have maybe some emergency equipment around? Maybe some spare cash if you're still using phones somewhere? Do you have some, you know, some quarters to, to actually um, be able to still use a phone? Yeah, that those kind of things. There are certain things you, you have to just in case. Well, this book is all about just in case, but just in case of those predictable things that will might that might want to derail your your growth into that new person. So you might as well think about it talk about it so go out there go to to amazon and uh, download it or uh, buy the hard copy there um i trust that there is a lot of uh help in there a lot of insights in there a lot of action plans that help you to prepare um for the inevitable chaos that life will throw at you but the past does not equal the future okay whatever whatever the past was it's gone forget it now you take action <laughs> exactly. Take action. <laughs> I love that so much. And um, I'll make sure I have all the links in the description box so it makes it makes it easy for people to get your book. Beautiful. Um, but before I let you go, I just wanted to see, I mean, you've already said so many great things, but is there like one quote, something that you go by that you could just boom, mic drop for the audience? The past does not equal the future. That's my go-to quote, absolutely. But there are so many others out there. Uh, it's okay not to be okay. I think that would be my second and most important quote. It's okay not to be okay. Because there will be times, even in our lives now, when, you know, here I am bouncing. Yes! Ah! Because that's really me. That's me. I love it. But tonight, there might be a moment when I just want to cry. When I just want to curl up in a ball and feel sorry for myself. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay. There's something has happened there. Maybe maybe you just need to do that. Maybe you just need to curl up and have too much ice cream and watch some Netflix. That's okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay there. And it's not okay not to ask for help. To have a pity party that's part and parcel of life. You can't be always up there, up there, up there. No, 
you want to be on that serene, centered, conscious, beautiful level where you are optimal to go high. Yeah, I'm bouncing, I'm bouncing. And guess what? Your body can't sustain itself there. It needs to come back. Yeah. It's okay to go, I feel blah. And that's okay, but it can't sustain itself. It needs to come back to that serenity that you can only achieve by conscious living. And that's, yeah. So it's okay not to be okay. That is my key mantra, my key message for you guys. Thank you. That that was a mic drop. So thank you for that. I need to get one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And um, I just wanted to tell you that thank you for the work that you are doing, because my heart does go out to the men of the world. Um, and just knowing that you guys are on top of it, that you guys are doing that for our men in this world um, is a very important work. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you are doing for the world. The world being thank you so much. It was an honor for me to be a guest on your show. Maybe we have touched uh, some people out there to to let them know it's, you know, it is worthwhile that journey. Um, and it's worthwhile to pull that, that, that strength out, that last bit of strength to just ask for help. Yeah. It, your darkness is temporary it will go away and we maybe have just planted that seed for you and giving you the first steps to move forward so i'm looking forward to meeting you on our journeys because if you get better sooner or later our paths will cross and you will realize that there is a sister and brotherhood out there of people in recovery from mental health problems or from addiction or from other things and we recognize each other there's no secret handshake, but once someone says, hey, I'm in recovery, and the other one says, I'm in recovery too. That's sort of what <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You and so I are always doing that. Huh? Give me a <laughs> feeling you. I feel you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephen. You're it's amazing. This is a joy. You take care cool. now. We will be in touch. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Woo, that was a good one. And I know normally they're 30 minutes, but how could I end it? I mean, this was amazing. There's so many gold nuggets that Stephen gave us. So be sure to check him out. Like I said, I'm going to have all the links in the description box. Check him out. Call him if you need help. Get his book. Do what you got to do uh, because you matter and you deserve to live in the light. So thank you to everybody watching and listening to today's episode, whether you were live or on replay. Uh, feel free to comment with anything that resonated with you. Um, if you have any questions, and as always, I greatly appreciate your reviews. So thank you for that. And you can help me reach my 2022 goal to spread the word by inviting your friends and family to like and follow on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. You can also listen at your leisure on all major podcast distributions. And I don't have a quote today for you except for just choose you. I think I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. If you don't make a change, nothing's going to change. So take that first step. Take that first step. We're cheering you on from afar. That's it for me, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>